This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers of the inner realms. This is Jonathan Robinson on Awareness Explorers, and I'm with my trusty co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And the subject of today is qualities of awakening. And Brian and I discussed this a little bit before the recording started, and it's a fascinating topic. I think you'll learn a lot and hopefully get some practical tools as well. So the way I like to start this often is by asking Brian what the thing that shows up on the top of his head when we mention a topic, and this topic is qualities of awakening. So what was your first reaction when we started to think about this? My first reaction was that it's filled with a double paradox, because pure awareness has no qualities of itself. And we are not our individual bodies and minds, we are pure awareness. The paradox is that even though there are no qualities in awareness itself, when we touch it, when we reach it, when we know ourselves as pure awareness, that sort of qualitylessness, that sort of total allowing, that sort of unconditional love somehow flavors our individual experience. So it really is a paradox. Awareness itself has no qualities, and yet when we touch it, we're filled with its qualities of love and joy and peace. Yeah, that is strange. And, you know, if you step back, you wonder why that's the case. I mean, it could be that, you know, as you you align yourself with awareness, as you experience yourself as pure awareness more, that you would you know, become more humorous, or you would become meaner, or you'd become, you know, something. But it does seem that it's that vibration, we'll call it, does infuse yourself with love and peace and kindness and compassion. And that has often made me think that there's some kind of higher intelligence, we'll call it God, for lack of a better term, that is behind this all, because I think of love as maybe the closest thing us mortal humans experience as a higher power or God. So I know that you're a little bit more agnostic than I. So what do you think of of my theory? I think that it can be explained without recourse to higher intelligence, although it really depends on how you define higher intelligence. I mean, if you know, we all we, know we all know that God is actually a man with a beard in the sky. So that's the, the working <laughs> definition uh, that we will throw out. <laughs> right. But apart from the imaginary man in the sky, we're talking about the universe. We're talking about non-duality. We're talking about everything is simply energy rising and falling in various apparent temporary shapes and forms, but that, that it's all one. And awareness has no qualities of its own, because like a clear mirror, everything that appears in it is allowed. It's simply totally fine. It has no resistance. And that lack of resistance, that 
pure allowing is actually a perfect definition of unconditional love. So the very nature of awareness is unconditional love. And I don't think you need to imagine some sort of entity outside of yourself or other than yourself, which is pure awareness, to uh, explain that. I, I can understand your point. And uh, although you're absolutely wrong, I can certainly know. I, 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 you might... you. <laughs> I, that that way of looking at it really does make sense to me. And ultimately, hopefully someday we'll find out if there's a intelligence or entity behind this whole creation or not. I think you're right. That really depends on how you define those terms and that we're actually much closer together than than we might think by using the terms agnostic or believer. Um, uh, so I appreciate the way that you see that. It does make sense to me. Um, getting back to the qualities as you approach or melt into awareness, I think it's interesting that a lot of teachers agree as to what those qualities are. You know, that you hear compassion and love and bliss and joy and peace as part of that package. And that's a pretty good package. You know, uh, I want more of that. And I'm currently in a school called Luminous Awareness Institute, where they go into other qualities as well. And in fact, the school is based on the fact that there's seven different flavors of awareness. And that's been really eye-opening for me, where the teacher, Annalisa, who we interviewed in episode 101, I believe, helps you open up to these seven very distinct flavors. And I'm wondering what you think of that idea. Oh, I'm totally fine with that, because I think the flavors, I mean, it's just so odd, because we do experience it. I mean, let's just say that in one theory of, of non-duality, there's nothing to do. There's, you know, when you, when you, if you're trying to achieve some sort of quality, then you're on the wrong track. And basically, I agree with that. And here's where the paradox is. When I stop trying to achieve a quality or to make my experience any different whatsoever from how it is, all of a sudden, mysteriously, these qualities start flooding in. These qualities of happiness, of joy, of peace, of love, of contentment. And I'm sure that Annalise's descriptions of them are, are, are really well-defined, are really, um, I think, well-observed. Let's, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is one of the things she does, she seems to be able to transmit these qualities very distinctly. And so we're like a radio that is tuning into these different qualities. Let me give you an example. She, one quality she calls air, which is really much the spaciousness of awareness, the, the sense of opening to awareness, which a lot of people experience the most. But another one she calls water, and water is very interconnected, meaning it feels a lot like love and melty and, and like you're part of the ocean. It, it's much more interconnected than the spaciousness of awareness. Or she has one called earth, and earth feels like you're part of the earth, like you're growing, like your body basically is like a tree growing out of the earth. 
it feels very different. They're all higher levels of, of being and they all feel really good, but they are really distinct. And I am one of the people that really, you know, if given a choice between just having vanilla ice cream in your freezer or having seven different flavors, you know, would always choose the seven flavors. And here I'm really enjoying getting different vibrations, we'll call it. And one of the things I find interesting, uh, which you kind of brought up is, can you tap into these things totally directly by saying, okay, I want to experience the love and interconnectedness part of awareness, or I want to experience the more grounded, rooted part of awareness? Or do you have to go for these experiences in a more indirect way? What do you think about that? You know, it's such a paradox. First of all, I just want to respond by saying I, I totally recognize and have experienced those, at least the ones that you described so far. Yeah. Um, although I have a hunch that they're sort of different angles of the same thing. But you're right. You know, there, there is distinction. But to answer your question, another paradox. If I try to create some experience, it usually doesn't work except if I use imagination. So in other words, it most of the time, if I simply stop trying to control my experience, just sit quietly and completely drop all strategies to control my experience, any number of these qualities will come flooding in. But at the same time, I've also experienced the phenomenon of imagination. Like I started by just like, for instance, you don't have to, we talked earlier in this episode about oneness and that there's only one thing going on and non-duality. And I never re I never thought you had to actually believe that it was totally sufficient just to imagine what it would be like if it were so. And by the same token, one can imagine the qualities of connected to the earth or the air being part of everything that pervades us and surrounds us. You can imagine these qualities and evoke them. So, you know, I realize I'm playing two sides <laughs> against each other. On the yeah. one hand, you can get there indirectly. Actually, I call it the direct method, <laughs> but you're not directly evoking the quality. You're allowing everything to be as it is. On the other hand, I think for some people, using imagination to evoke it directly can work. So let's just say I'm open to, to either and whatever works for you is the one to do. Yeah, let's explore that a little bit more. I, I also have mixed feelings about this. Um, I was with a teacher for 26 years that we interviewed, Justin Gold, who was very big on not going for things, quote, directly. He basically had the philosophy that all you really need to do is become aware of all the obstacles in the way of your awareness, of a purity of awareness. And what would be left would be peace, love, joy, things like that. But he, he was very much against trying to go for those feelings directly. 
either by evoking them or imagination. And the reason he felt that was that he thought that was too much of you doing something and that it would potentially maybe build a bigger ego or it would lead to things like we sometimes see of, of new age people creating a certain falseness, like you're pretending. Ramdas used to call it phony holy, you know, where you're very nice and sweet and you have incense and, and nice fabric on the wall and you, you play roomy in the background and the whole thing. But the moment, you know, something stressful happens in your life, you're a mess because you haven't really developed the quality within yourself or you haven't gotten rid of the obstacles. What you've done is you've created a really nice environment and the environment, a nice environment can fool you into thinking that you have peace when you don't have peace at all. What you have is a nice environment. Yes, exactly. Well, I tend to lean towards Justin's point of view here. I just was trying to leave open the possibility that for some people going there directly through evoking it through imagination might be fruitful. But basically, for me, from my own firsthand experience, it is dropping any strategy to change my experience whatsoever, paradoxically, changes my experience to one of love and peace and joy. Yeah, yeah. And and as we've often said, I think it's very hard to make any rules on the spiritual path because people are different and you're at different stages and you need different things at different times. So now I will argue why evo why imagination and evoking things directly <laughs> is such a good idea. Okay. I found personally the call surrendering to what is and working on obstacles had slower results for me than being able to tune into higher states more directly, whether they be through imagination or other techniques. You know, like we interviewed uh, Sanjay a while back, and he has a technique which is basically goes something like this. I can't feel peace because, and then you complete that sentence 10 times. So you're like aware of what is in your subconscious that keeps you away from peace. And then you say, if I could feel peace, I'd feel, you know, and then you kind of imagine how you would feel if these obstacles weren't in the way. And that technique worked for me. I would, you know, feel really high very quickly. And Annalisa's tuning into these vibrations very directly has worked well for me meditating on love has worked really well for me. Now, the danger is that all my neuroses are not necessarily being worked on because I'm tuning into higher states very directly. And I can fool myself to think, oh, well, you know, things are great when, when maybe the obstacles in my way are not getting peeled away very quickly. But for me, uh, I use both, you know, both wings of the plane, the direct and indirect way. But I, I'd have to say that I probably get better results by trying to open myself to higher vibrations in a very direct manner. Yes, I can see how that, that could be. Um, I think that uh, the other method that you talked about, though, might not work 
quite as well for you because of the emphasis on obstacles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand in theory the thing about obstacles, but it focuses too much attention on the person, the personality, etc. And I think that really gets in the way. But it's very subtle. It's the same thing as trying to stop the strategies you have to change your experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that that they are that those are are the same. But in one, you're focusing on what you're doing wrong, and the other, you're dropping all concepts. You're dropping all ideas. You're dropping all effort. You are dropping all intentions. And you are simply allowing it because we're talking about our true nature. We're talking about what is there behind the mind, and the mind veils it. So, whichever strategy you use, don't let the mind get in the way. And when you, when the mind gets out of the way, our true nature of love and happiness reveals itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's old statement that what you focus on grows. So if you're focusing too much on obstacles, then you got to be careful that you're not uh, planting those seeds in, in the process. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, we live in a society in which we are steeped in certain qualities. So if you are not, say, opening to some spiritual qualities through some approach or some method you kind of are probably drowning in these other qualities, which we take as being personal, but they're really impersonal and different, different societies have different qualities. Like, you know, both of us live in the United States. And if you're living in, if you're breathing air in the United States now, you are infected with the quality of polarization. There's just no gain around it. You're infected with the need to succeed. And you're infected with a lot of intellectual mind stuff. And, and that's who we become because we are a part of our culture, or as I say, culture. And what I've seen in traveling is that certain other cultures have very different qualities that they, that they value, that they create. And, you know, it came out recently, uh, the prime minister of of uh, former prime minister of Japan was assassinated. And, you know, the country was just shocked because there's no guns in Japan. (laughs) You know, we have 400 million guns in the United States. We have more than one gun. We have more than two guns for every adult in the United States. Whereas Japan has like seven guns in the entire country. You know, it's a very different culture. There's a very different um, as, as Dave Barry once said, because Japan has a somewhat conforming culture, it would be easier to get the entire city of Tokyo wearing the same outfit than it would be to get two randomly associated, randomly selected Americans to agree on pizza toppings. <laughs> Dave Barry is a funny guy. Yeah, that's great. But it's true that that culture can emphasize certain qualities. And practically always, these are qualities of control. In other words, 
one of the reasons to have a culture is to get people to behave in certain ways. And we're not talking about those kinds of qualities. And so I think it might be nice right now to circle back to the beginning where we where you talked about this topic and what and the qualities of awakening or the qualities of awareness. What what specifically are the qualities that we're talking about here? Well, I think everybody can agree on love being one of them. Yes. And you know, whether it be Christianity or which focuses very much on love theoretically or other religions that also do that that we all agree that love and peace is part of a spiritual person's repertoire. And God probably does not care how you get there, you know, whether you meditate there, whether you devote yourself to Jesus, whether you invoke love and peace directly, that it's nice to know that we're all really aiming for the same thing. We just have different approaches. Yes, and some approaches are more successful than others. Yeah, like, well, one way of filling yourself with love is to find a new romantic relationship and have what I call new relationship energy, where, you know, all the songs are about how I was depressed and hopeless, and then I met you, and now everybody's singing, and and the sky is smiling, and I feel great. Well, along if that's your approach to love and your main way of getting it, it comes with all kinds of baggage. First of all, it tends not to last very long. And you can think like, oh, I've become a loving person, whereas all that's happened is really you have a a circumstance that is fooling you into thinking that you now are a loving person. I think you really hit on a key element here, circumstance. And the difference in these, so you can define the qualities of love, peace, happiness, joy, in various different ways. But when you're talking about those qualities in relation to awareness or to awakening, you have to realize that these are qualities unrelated to circumstance. In other words, when I talk about happiness in regard to awakening or to awareness, I'm not talking about the happiness that you achieve when you get your desires met. I'm talking about the happiness that is uncaused happiness, that's not Mm -hmm. related in any way to circumstances. And that's why I think that there's a qualitative difference to each of these qualities when you talk about the real, the genuine. You know, the, the, the term sat Chidananda, which is often translated as being consciousness bliss, I translate it as simply the joy of being awareness. It's the joy that is the ground, the baseline. It's already there. It, it, it's not brought in from somewhere else. It's simply noticed that it's already there and it's unrelated to circumstances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's certainly the ideal. Of course, in the real world, there's always a combination of a person's circumstance and their state of being. So a lot of these gurus, they don't spend time in hell holes. They, They create nice environments around them. So I think part of tuning into love, peace, and bliss is to have a decent environment. 
because it's going to be harder to tap into peace, love, and bliss in the middle of a war zone. Yes, you're you're absolutely right there. And and the thing about creating the environment you like is that we have this idea that somehow be, that somehow awakening has nothing to do with our personal preferences that somehow we have to ignore them or deny them but it's it's not the case i mean it you know it's a both and situation we are the universe and we are individual body minds and the individual body minds have things that they like and things that they don't like and there is nothing wrong with using the things you love to help appreciate the wonder and the magic of the world. Like I love music and particularly musical theater and jazz and classical music. Tap into that love of that and uh, it's a wonderful thing. The world is a magical place. But it doesn't mean that if for some reason I were to lose all access to musical theater, I would be unhappy because happiness is my nature and it's mm -hmm. not... It's not changeable. It's a tricky situation in reality because I see, um, you know, a lot of these most famous teachers take like uh, Osho Rajneesh. You know, I'm sure he had something going, but he surrounded himself with Rolls Royces and nice watches and all this luxury. And at some point, you have to say uh, he he probably became somewhat dependent on that. So. You have to have an incredible level of self-honesty to know, are you more into the world of control, like controlling circumstances in your environment as a way of finding peace and happiness, or are you more into the world of, of being your true nature, relaxing into beingness as your main source of happiness? And they really do or can imitate each other. And it's really hard to know where that line is, where you're, where you're, you started to leave the world of beingness and now you're more into, gee, maybe it would be good if I could have sex with that person, or maybe it would be good if I had a nicer house, or maybe it would be good if I had more money so that I could do all the things I want to do. It's really true that they imitate each other. That's a very good observation, I think. And you're right. We have to be on the lookout for the imposter. Yeah. You know, I, I have a hot tub that I use every night, and it brings me a certain amount of peace and joy. And the hot tub broke down this last month. So for the, next, for the last five weeks, I haven't been able to use it. And I saw that, gee, I'm not as peaceful at night <laughs> as I was before. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out, gee, I've been, you know, a little bit less peaceful than before. I'm, I was trying to figure it out. And then I, I finally concluded, ah, I haven't been able to use my hot tub. Yeah. And it was humbling. And now my hot tub is uh, working again. And I have decided to double my efforts at meditation because I saw that in that little way, I'd kind of fooled myself. Yeah. Well, I think we zeroed in on who the imposter is. Mm -hmm. The imposter is the person who is either peaceful or not peaceful, depending on the hot tub. That's the imposter. That's not mm -hmm. who you are. Mm -hmm. That's not the real you. 
that's not what knows your experience. The real you that knows your experience is the universe. You are the universe. You are everything. And when we are focused on whether or not the individual body mind does this or that or has this habit or that habit or blah, 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 we're giving energy to the imposter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I am... Um talked to Dr. Jeffrey Martin of the uh, Finders course yesterday, and I asked him a little bit about this subject, which is, you know, can you tune into these things directly? And what he said is that, you know, a lot of ability to tap into higher states of consciousness is really just the intention to do so and remembering times that you've been there before, you know, and he calls it sinking in sinking into peace, sinking into love. And it's, you know, there's a lot of techniques. There's the Lester Love Method where you focus on people that you've loved and and you feel your love for them. There's times where you can imagine or remember times you've been in nature and felt really peaceful, times that you maybe have been on drugs and felt really blissful. And he said, you know, if, if you can do that really quickly and easily, that's a really important skill and it's really available to everyone. And I think most people don't practice that much, so they may not be that good at it initially, but with a little bit of practice and intention, you know, if, if I said to someone, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars. If you double the amount of peace you feel today, could you do it? Well, with that kind of intention, you go, yeah, I'm, I'll do, I'll figure out a way. And it's really not that hard. It's really a matter of clarity of intention and trying to remember times you felt that and letting go into that vibration. It need not be any more difficult than that. Yeah, it seems to be true, although I do have some experience that would that would contradict that. But for instance, last episode, we talked to Jim Drever and he talked about one thing that he thought was necessary was an urgency. Mm-hmm. He really it, he he wanted to find out who he was, his true nature, and and uh, who is it that's depressed or whatever. But my own experience is the opposite of that. My first awakening experience happened when I was listening to Gangaji talk about her teacher, Papaji, who asked the question, what if you had no intention? Mm-hmm. And I just, something, something softened, something relaxed, something, some controlling element in me dissolved for a moment. And I stopped having any intention whatsoever. And I just, start to laugh this sort of joyous thing and 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 so that was really my first taste of what i would call happiness for no reason Mm -hmm. well it just shows that really it's different things for different people at different times and your mission should you decide to accept it is to find out what currently works for you and i i totally understand that the no intention method and i've used it and it's been great and now I'm having better luck with other approaches, but it's really a matter of 
of seeing what is alive for you at this point in your journey. And one of the things that I think we've done on this podcast is give people a lot of options, a lot of ideas so that they can experiment for themselves. Well, I think that's really important because both of us have done that here. We've talked about what our experience is, what has worked for us and what has not worked for us. And when I talk about what works Mm -hmm. for me, you're right. I'm not trying to say this is going to work for you. When you described your experience of evoking love, I totally believed you that that worked. I think that's great. And if that works for any of our listeners, try it. Because one thing about this is that you're the expert. You're the expert on what works for you. Not some guru, not Jonathan, not Brian, not Ajashanti. In fact, Ajashanti is the first person who would say, it's you. You're the expert. Mm -hmm. What, what, What works for you? And one of the things I like to do is ask experts. That's why I interviewed a hundred spiritual teachers. And, you know, I talk about that in, in my latest book, The Enlightenment Project. And going up to experts, and it doesn't need to be a spiritual teacher. I have a really good friend who is very joyous. And so I've asked her, like, how do you tap into joy? And and what do you do to deepen it? And what gets in the way? And she had really good answers. And it helped me to experience more joy. You know, just even talking about joy can help you to experience more joy. But she had some very subtle strategies that once she enunciated them to me, it helped me. Like one of the things she said is when she starts to feel joy, she'd notice that there'd be a counter part of her that would close down. And she realized that part didn't need to be there because joy is totally safe. You know, why would I want to fear joy? And I noticed that in myself as well. So now I can more easily tap into joy. And when the the fear comes up, I go, oh, I don't need you. You know, it's okay to feel joy. So little things like that can can make a big difference. In fact, um, for our Patreon supporters, I'm going to be doing a blog on what she told me. And we'll share it with our Patreon supporters, as we often do, share extra excerpts from our interviews or extra blogs about certain methods. So thank you, Patreon supporters, and feel free to, for as little as a dollar a month, join our Patreon supporters, where we like to give you extra stuff and treat you really well. But I think you probably also have the experience, Brian, of when you find somebody who has something that you're lacking, that you get curious about it, and you wonder, how can I have more of that? It's true that I do get very curious, and I do wonder, how can I have more of that? But what I've learned over and over again was that attempt to try and get something I don't have failed. (laughs) But that was always, in practically every case, the wrong approach. Aha, uh-huh, for you, yeah. Okay. For me, okay. it was noticing what's already there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That love is 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 my true nature, and it's just simply covered up. It's just simply it's just moving the stuff that's in the way aside and seeing what's there. And the stuff that's in the way are thoughts about the past and thoughts about the future. It's mind stuff. 
Yeah. And it can sound like you and I are using different approaches, but in reality, they, they kind of come together. Cause like if I'm focusing on love or joy in that moment, I'm very present, you know, I'm, I'm giving up doing something or thinking about something else. It's just like love or joy is my doorway to presence. So maybe our methods are really very similar in a certain way. You know, often that's the case we, because, you know, words are, are not very accurate uh, tools to describe reality. And so sometimes they can lead us to believe that we're talking about two different things when we're actually talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Any last thoughts on uh, uh, this opening to qualities of awakening? Uh, the only other one is uh, in you just mentioned um, that there that there are things that work for you, and there is one thing that we talked about before we started recording that I read recently, which is just the image of the heart as a valve that can be opened and closed, mm -hmm. and simply imagine whenever circumstances happen or things that you think shouldn't be happening appear stop notice oh is my heart open or closed and if it's closed open the valve hmm. which is an imagination yes that can perhaps get you back to presence very quickly that's right and presence i think you're absolutely right when you say that that that's the key it's presence because yeah, it's what's happening now, because happiness, the qualities of awakening cannot happen yesterday. They cannot happen tomorrow. They can only be here now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I had an interesting conversation with a friend. She's very devoted to her teacher. And she has a very devotional heart, but she never gets to see this teacher. And I was thinking it's all in her imagination. But her experience of life is very sweet. So once again, it's hard sometimes to know whether something is is real, like it's it's she's tapping into something real, or if she's just using her imagination. But in a certain way, it doesn't matter because the lens of her life is looked through this devotional relationship with this guru who she basically never sees. Wow, that's really fascinating. And it just you know, is more evidence that imagination is actually really, really powerful. But again, it's it's a paradox. Yes, imagination is really, really powerful if you're using it to help you to be present. But if you're using it to imagine what the future would be like if it was different from the way it is now, then it, it seems to get in the way. So Again, it's 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 tricky. Yes, imagination yeah. is so powerful, unless it's fantasy about how you're going to change your experience in the future. Yeah. Well, everything of power, like imagination or sex or drugs or money, they have a, a, a their doorway in a positive way, and they're a doorway to a, a negative thing. And oh. and our job is to use that doorway in a way that helps us rather than in a way that hinders us. Yes, and sometimes it's hard to know, but <laughs> but you can use, you can look inside 
and use the radar of your peace, happiness, joy, allowing as your guide. Yeah, that is a good guide. And your friends, you know, your friends can give you feedback or your the, the your association with like-minded people, hopefully honest, loving people in your life who can say, you know, I think you're you're trying to create an environment that you control is starting to interfere with your actually just relaxing into what is. And I got that feedback many years ago from a friend, and it was really helpful. I'm so glad it was helpful. And hard to hear. (laughs) I can imagine it would be hard to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's, it's it's absolutely true what you say that if you're trying to control your environment, uh, it's not going to be, you know, you're you're going to get into phony holy as you talked yeah. about before, and that that's not what you want. On the other hand, if your friends are focused on your personality and uh, what you're doing wrong there, there's the trap of thinking that's who you are and that's what needs to be fixed when the idea that you need to fix anything is the obstacle. There's so many subtle things here. And and one of the great joys of awareness explorers is that we get to like go into the subtleties, the subtle traps on the spiritual path, the things that people, potholes people fall into and you and I sometimes fall into and shed some light on it. And hopefully that helps us to not fall into the potholes, or if we do fall in, we at least know the way out. And I hear that you're going to guide us on a way out using <laughs> a meditation on qualities of awakening. Yes, I, I am. I am going to do a little meditation that I call the two-way stream meditation, which is about some of the paradoxes of the qualities of awareness that we talked about. Great. Ah. <sighs> So first, close your eyes, if it's safe to do so, and take a nice, easy, deep breath and relax. This is a meditation of paradox, of the qualities apparent in the qualitylessness of awareness. The mind can't really grasp this intellectually, but it can be experienced. So as you relax, drop all attempts to understand this with a logical mind and instead look within and see if you can look from the witness of experience. That is from and as awareness itself. Because anything with qualities is something that appears in awareness. Awareness itself has no qualities. All qualities are experiences, and all experiences appear in that which knows all of our experience. That is, pure awareness itself, which is not really a thing. On the other hand, since Pure awareness, like a clear mirror, allows all that appears within it to be exactly as it is, and allowing all things to be exactly as they are is unconditional love. 
awareness has the flavor of unconditional love. And when we turn our attention within towards pure awareness itself, we connect with this unconditionally loving background of all experience. And when we connect with it, we create a sort of wormhole to the absolute, allowing the love that is its nature to come flowing back into our individual bodies and minds, flooding us with the peace and joy that's unrelated to circumstances. Here's an analogy that may help. Imagine a delta at the mouth of a river where the fresh river water empties into the salty ocean water. Imagine this delta has multiple streams and rivers from various sources, all flowing into the ocean. In our analogy, the delta is our individual mind, and the ocean is the background of pure awareness. The rivers and streams deposit sediment into the delta on their way to the ocean. It's a one-way stream flowing from upriver, through the delta, and out into the ocean. And the delta usually doesn't receive water from the ocean flowing upstream. The delta is like our individual mind, the content flowing from the outside world through our sense perceptions, usually only flows one way, from the world, through our minds, and out into the ocean of awareness, leaving sediment in the form of memories. Our minds are only aware of the one-way flow of perceptions and sensations and of the memories that they deposit. But our thoughts and memories are witnessed by awareness itself, apart from our finite minds. This is the ocean of awareness that we all share. Sometimes, as in an estuary, there's brackish water, a mixture of river water and seawater. So there's a taste of the sea present in the river mouth, a waft of sea breeze in the air. We can get that taste, that breeze of the ocean of awareness, when we take our focus off the one-way flow of our thoughts and drop back into the pure awareness that receives it all. We can create a two-way flow between the delta of our individual minds and the ocean of universal awareness. That's why meditative practices of quiet and stillness can calm down the powerful rushing flow of sediment and let some of the sea breeze waft in. And it feels absolutely lovely. And you can explore this for yourself. Here's how. Imagine your mind as a river delta. The activities of the world are upstream. The awareness of the world is the ocean downstream. Your mind is the delta in between. 
Imagine the input from the world, the sights, the sounds, sensations, smells, tastes, as a one-way flow through your mind, flowing downriver into the vast awareness in which all thoughts, sensations, and perceptions appear. It can be helpful to imagine the streams and rivers flowing toward you from the front and then flowing out into the sea of awareness behind you. As you imagine that flowing stream, see if you can imagine it calming down and feel yourself gently, quietly, floating down into the ocean of awareness that receives it all, the awareness that you are. And then imagine that the ocean of awareness, like the oceans of our earth, is connected to all the oceans. The one interconnected world ocean. It's an ocean of love because it knows it's all one ocean. Now imagine that the downstream flow of the river of thought quiets down just enough so that the love inherent in the ocean of universal awareness can flavor the delta of your mind. The qualities of love and peace and joy and bliss waft back from qualityless awareness and infuse your whole being. Now, take another nice, easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, open your eyes. I like how you had uh, some interesting metaphors of how daily life can be infused with the qualities of awareness, like uh, mixing fresh water and seawater and having the taste of a little bit of salt and everything. That's right. That's right. And, and here we are using imagination mm -hmm. as a tool. There's one of those topics where you kind of go down a rabbit hole and you realize there's no easy answers and it's more of an exploration. And I like how sometimes we can not come up with an, an answer because reality is infinitely complex that we actually go into and realize that how subtle and how in the moment you have to be in order to walk this razor's edge called the spiritual awakening. That's right. The razor's edge, by the way, my favorite novel, which yeah. is about 
a young man on a spiritual search. And two great movies, one with Bill Murray and one uh, uh, with actually the author uh, was in the movie, M. Somersault, or whatever his name is, I forget his name. M. Somerset Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually in the first movie. Oh, I didn't realize he was in it. Yeah. Wow. But you remind me uh, when you talked about the questions of when I, this may be off topic, but it's actually germane to awareness explorers in general about questions. The questions that we ask, like, who am I or what is this me or what what does all my experience appear in, etc. These kinds of inquiry questions aren't designed to come up with an answer. They're not designed to be answered. They're designed simply to turn your attention around from the content of your experience to pure experiencing itself, to awareness itself. Yeah, questions are the key. Answers generally generally not. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right that it's kind of fun to explore and and uh, and not get too wedded to being absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> you too. Yeah. Always fun exploring with you. We really appreciate our listeners. Feel free to share all this stuff with people that you know to create a group of people around you exploring these topics. And till next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love. <laughs>